and a happy Yuletide to you. Dear listener, it is season five, episode three of Book Record Beer, and it is the most wonderful time of year because we are here and so excited to have our dear friend, as always, the host for the Christmas episode Mr. Franco Fiorini with us. Say hello. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here again. Happy uh, happy, happy holidays to everyone. Mm-hmm. Is this his fourth or fifth? Fifth, I think, right? Uh, he's, he's been the, I think... the dude, unless there was a bogey year in there. I think he did miss one. Yeah, I, I did. There was a bogey year. I don't know why, but there was, but whatever. <laughs> so it goes. This is season five. You're here, and uh, you you are the, the holiday cast man. The Decemberman, the Decemberist, if you will, uh, as always, joined by my other good and esteemed pals, uh, Nick Gregorio. Say hello. Hello and happy holidays to all our listener. <laughs> happy Hanukkah, listener. And Daniel, say hello. Oh, wonderful, lovely listener. Allow me to kiss you. <laughs> Wow, that was weird. That's, that from was. The, that's from the story. That's how the blacksmith tries to pick up Oksana. Oh, right, right, right. Did anybody else keep going, Bayul, Bayul, when they saw the name <laughs> Oksana? No. Absolutely not. I did not. Bayul, Oksana Bayul. Uh, I watched a lot of Olympics back in the day, guys. Um, so I am, uh, I'm going to start this one off a little bit differently. Uh I, uh, I have a little bit of a, a, a treasure hunt for you all. Um, Nick Gregorio, I'd like you to go uh, see what's in your ottoman, my man. And uh, Daniel DeFranco, I, I'd like you to, to check, um, you know, underneath your, uh, your and Milo's brown reading chair, if you could. And uh, Franco, uh, <laughs> your, your location threw me a little bit, but if you could check, check your phone. Uh, you should have a text uh, arriving either now or Oh, is he actually? Actually do it. Go do oh, it. Hell. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. This is the holiday episode, and uh, I've I've brought you some cheer. I had this a uh, go do it, dude. Check it out. I'm asking you to to go give it a whirl. I uh, on the cast wanted everybody you to uh, son of a bitch. get a token of what? my appreciation and and love for you three, um, in the spirit of the the holiday. So how'd, how'd you um, get in my house? Yeah, I'm crafty son of a bitch. Old Saint Nick. Old Saint Nick, baby. So what I did was I ate a bunch of those mushrooms in true Saint Nick fashion, uh, and I, I, you know, I just uh, winged my way in there on good vibes and uh, a weird uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, hallucinogenic presence. Nice, nice. Do we open these or go for it? Yeah, open them up. Open them up. So, uh, dear listener, I broke into my friends' houses. Um, so that's what's happening. I, there was I, actually uh, a present under my reading chair, right across. Yeah, there was me. one in an ottoman in my office, and Fra- that I don't open ever. Franco's yeah. had to be uh, Franco's had to be text to him. Hopefully, he'll receive it in a few minutes. Yeah, um, uh, if he hasn't Sarah, already. Sarah forgot oh. to sneak <laughs> into my bag this morning, uh, so she sent me a picture of it via email. Oh, awesome! Nice. Awesome. So uh, that's awesome, man. So you guys, uh, I um, I I love Gogol. Uh, wow. Nicola Gogol is, is is one of my favorite writers of of, of all time. Um, and so I I wanted to share 
good old Gogol with you guys uh, on this on this holiday cast. So uh, that's his collective works. I um kind of a best of. I uh, strongly suggest reading um, how the two Ivans quarreled. That's by far my favorite, and it's fucking hilarious. Uh, I named a hardcore band I was in the Ivans because of that story. So I hope you enjoy. I love you guys, and uh, uh, you know, happy holiday. I figured we'd start it now before we got to the end, and I fucking forgot to do it. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful, lovely Nicholas. Sure. Allow me to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I can't wait to talk about the blacksmith. So, dear listener, now that the, that has happened, uh, the the gift giving has been given, um, and my uh, nefarious plot has come to fruition. I um, <laughs> my felonious plot, I guess you could say. Um, I uh, I'm gonna let you know what we're doing. This is a Daniel cast, in fact, which is why I was double pumped that we, um, you know, are talking about Gogol. Uh, Daniel has chosen for us uh, Nicola Gogol's Christmas Eve, uh, a relatively short story. What is it like? Probably 50 pages or so. Will we say? That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's also chosen uh, Phoebe Bridges' 2020 EP. If we make it through December and the Christmas ale, um, Dan, you can help me if I really blow this, but it's the, it's the course and dunk Christmas ale. Correct. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Going to get donked up in this mother. Going to get donked because it's 8.1, <laughs> baby, baby. Um, and uh, for the beer as well, we have a couple of traditions that we do here. Uh, one of them is I save the celebration, Sierra Nevada celebration from the previous year. So I'll be drinking the 2019 celebration. Uh, that ages nicely because that's a good 7%, which just is on that cusp of actually being able to do anything. And uh, Nick Gregorio, you found your beloved, didn't you? I did. You found your Oksana, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I love Sly Fox's Christmas Ale. It, it to me, tastes like Christmas um, in a bizarre way. So I'm going to be drinking that. And Ed as currently I'm, I'm drinking um dark blooms or dark bloom schwartz beer by hidden river in douglasville pa beautiful awesome we got quite a menagerie of brew going on here um so let's jump into it let's let's get rolling uh gogol for those of us who don't really know him well um you know i mean it's been a couple hundred years since he walked the planet which is crazy right dude's born 1809 um dies 1852 he's known for a few things so like if you go to um st petersburg i i I guess if you go to moscow now i think it's in moscow there's a gigantic sculpture of this nose uh which is one of his most famous short stories you may be familiar with it uh it's essentially where the nose on an official uh leaves the body of said official starts a life of its own and then outranks the officer <laughs> by the end, <laughs> which is, I mean, just even saying the summary of that is hilarious to me. And that's one of the big things about Gogol is he's really fucking funny. Um, and he's sort of this precursor to much of what ends up being, in my estimation, uh, modern Western literature. Um, you know, he's, he's a brilliant satirist. He is also this dude that's that's fighting for the common man but he has this very russian and very uh i tolstoy takes it from him i think and and ups the ante a bit but belief that literature can save people that art has the power 
to literally save people's souls. Um, I think that's brilliant. And, uh, you know, the, the, the couple others that he's famous for, the overcoat, um, this social criticism of, of the worker and, and, you know, in a very Russian way. And also he's a little bit self-conscious cause he's from Ukraine. So this idea that you can only hide what you're ashamed of, uh, uh, for so long and then dead souls, of course, which is his epic, um, very similar to, um, Chaucer's Canterbury tales. Um, because it's this epic that was remains unfinished, you know, just like the Canterbury tales. And, uh, Basically, this guy's going on an epic adventure, and he's encountering all the middle class, essentially, from uh, Russia during this time. And, um, you know, uh, I think it's meant to be based on the Odyssey. Very interesting that we, of course, um, our first cast, we did um, a story from Dubliners, right? And, and of course, we have Joyce for, is, is yeah, writing something. Yeah, Christmas cast, yeah. Yes, Joyce writes his epic, uh, and, and um, uh, interestingly, Dead Souls was adopted by Bogolkov, and we just recently did uh, Master and Margarita, um, mm -hmm. and uh, he adopted that novel, Dead Souls, for the stage. Um, and then the big thing is that Gogol ends up, by the end of his life, sort of turning on what he was about for his whole life, gets sort of like pulled into this weird priest's whole world, burns what was apparently the finished manuscript for the second part of Dead Souls, and then dies 10 days later. Um, and no one knows what it would have been. But, uh, yeah, he's a tragic hero, I'd say. And he's influenced everybody from Dostoevsky to Kafka to Bogolkov and, you know, pretty much anybody worth a damn <laughs> is, I would say, influenced by Gogol in some way. So um, wanted to do an introduction for him in case anyone was unaware because I am always surprised that people haven't heard Gogol at all. Um, but it actually isn't too surprising given that You'd really have to dig a little bit at this point. Um, so I'm going to introduce you guys. If I were to introduce these cats as uh, artists convinced of the necessity of authenticity and, and taking to task the powers that be during their time to save the souls of the people, <laughs> um, Nick Gregorio, you'd be Dan Harmon. He has a very honest inner conflict. He is nothing but brutally honest and sincere, and he wants to be liked while struggling to like himself a bit, I think. And, and, <laughs> and also, <laughs> you know, uh, he recognizes also that he has something worthwhile to say and it needs to be said. So he doesn't stop creating. Um, cuter, though. And he's trying to, you know, be a good dude. And so I think I like that. I think that's mine for you. Um, Thank you. Of course. Uh, Franco, I picked um, Paolo Fieri. Oh, nice. Uh, author of Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Uh, because he devoted his life to improving the lives uh, of the impoverished of Brazil through education. And if anything, uh, and if I read your thesis correctly, no, if anything, you are certainly <laughs> the man who embodies that as, as well. Um, and, and I think it's extraordinarily admirable and, uh, and one of those things that's uh, inspiring as well. Um, often I, I reference much of what you uh, passed along to me to prepare me for, for for my role at camp now, so um, that would be that would be you, good old Palo. Nice. And actually, I uh, one of his uh, one of my favorite quotes of his opens the uh, the last chapter in my uh, my thesis. Um, so. Oh no, oh, no shit! I didn't actually read it, but I that's awesome. <laughs> no, no, no one has. No, no one has Nick. 
it's, it's okay. That's all. It's fine. Um, I do want, you, want to introduce you to these lovely gentlemen sitting, uh, running behind me. Um, all I did was was Google Siberia, and uh, that's the first. That's hit. the first. Hit. That's the first hit. Perfect. That's so fantastic. Paolo would would definitely be down with reading that world right there. I mean, yes. he'd be totally yes. down with that. Yeah, absolutely. That that is. Uh, yeah, it's like you know. What could they be but illiterate peasants just trying to make their way in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Nick. Of course. Uh, and Daniel, you, my friend, would be George Harrison. Oh. Uh, not for least of which being his concert for Bangladesh and by far being the best Beatle. Um, and the dude had real class and, and taste. Uh, and you do in spades, my friend. So I, I would definitely... Definitely give you good old George on on that one. I would. I'm gonna pretend that you just said because he's a curmudgeon, and uh, and then it would be more accurate. There we go. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Nick, if I was to introduce you as an artist who felt hell bent on this notion that their art is to save people's souls, you would be Jewel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was right there. It was so. For a couple of reasons. Um, for that brief stint in the 90s when you were married to Lyle Lovett. We can't forget that. Yeah, yeah we, we had the same haircut. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you just always walk. You just walk around. You're going, say, come here, boys. There ain't nothing for free. And others like, come here. Hello, <laughs> you won't shut up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I... <laughs> I That's love how the it. song goes, right? Thank you so much. Yeah, no, that was it. That was, couldn't have been closer. Uh, not if you tried. And I, I'm glad that you left out, though I'm not ashamed of it, uh, my my time um, uh, living homeless with a classical guitar. You know, In the Alaskan tundra? In the Alaskan tundra. Scraping just, by at coffee shops? That was when I dated Chris McCandless. Yeah. That, that ended was, weird. Uh, yeah. He just ghosted you. It, well, you know. Ooh, nice. That was that was good. We won't we won't uh we won't continue on that thread though. Um let's jump in. <laughs> let's jump in here. Um I'll I'll give a, a brief sort of summary that's very brief. Um and then and then we'll jump in because I think one of the interesting things about this is when we think of uh a story entitled The Night Before Christmas or Christmas Eve, um we probably have our heads heading towards a Christmas carol and these different things where like we have a very Christmassy vibe. Um, there's not much of that in this story. Essentially the devil's running around this village. He steals the moon, uh, which throws this tiny village, uh, into blackness with human vice. Uh, you know, that just sort of like begins to manifest and, and, and show up in each of these people, mostly men, uh, through the night. And we see, you know, uh, adultery, idolatry, hubris, all these vices just start to come bubbling up uh, after the devil um, who has, has, has stolen the moon uh, for, for a brief piece of time during the evening. Um, should I go further than that, or is that a good summary? That's, think? A, that's a good leaping I think off it's point. good. Yeah. All right. Uh, excellent. So, um, you know, I wanted to start with that idea of, like, is this to you guys uh, a Christmas story? Um, does it hit the things that, that we think would be, uh, you know, sort of those pieces that are necessary and, and, and must be present in a Christmas story? Or um, 
does it sort of walk its own its own path? What do you think? Well, I kind of take the Mitch Hedberg stance on a lot of things like this when people ask, like, what is a Christmas story and what's not? Sure. Like, uh, Mitch Hedberg, if a kid can read, every book's a children's book. Right. Um, <laughs> if it's set during Christmas, it's Christmas story. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Absolutely. Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. <laughs> right. Die Hard's a Christmas movie, absolutely. Die Hard's there definitely yeah. a Christmas <laughs> <laughs> There's no contest here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are, would we all say we're of that same mind then? That that uh... no. no. Okay, go for it. Not at all. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I think I think the notion that everything just because a story is set around Christmas means that it's a Christmas movie. I think that's a very coy, um, kind of cute way of I don't know, be like. Okay, I get it. Die, die Hard's a Christmas movie. Sorry, not... <laughs> hey, hey, fuck you. I don't sound like that. <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually doing um, Gregorio. Sorry. Yeah, the, yeah the, the impression gets more and more insulting every time I hear it. So. I, I, I am entering my final form. It's going to be, you're just going to like be so, I don't know, you're going to simmer with rage. A literal walking, talking douchebag. <laughs> It's what I. It's, it's what we've all got to aspire to something, and you know, it's it's my it's my lot. All right, my Nick, Nick Kroll has already done it. You know, yeah, yeah he sure has. <laughs> um, so, um, I think that's a very cute thing to say, and I guess I can understand how it's funny. Um, you know, if you don't want to think for yourselves to say those things. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, am I insulting everybody? Here? I just, just I think just, you're literally get, insulting most of people. Get get to the get to get to why get to you know why what what makes this you know a Christmas story or not what what makes it? Okay, so I don't know enough about What's the ingredients. I I don't know. Yeah, well, so I don't know enough about um, make me a cake about Russian literature and how they celebrate Christmas to say whether or not. So obviously it's set around Christmas time. They've got the idea of I can never say the word. What's the song that they love to go sing? The collided key oh. or whatever. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one to pronounce. Well, because it's that that dude's name. It's the uh, Kaladaki. Yeah, sure, that works for me. The Kaladaki. I I know like Russian people. I should have just said, hey, how do you say this? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I would say that that is definitely an ingredient, as you say. And if we just want to pivot for a second and look at Dickens' A Christmas Carol that we talked about last year. Yes. Um, when you start analyzing that, telling stories of ghosts was a Christmas tradition. Correct. Um, so in that regard, Christmas Carol, yeah, that's absolutely – that is a Christmas story. Um, is this a Christmas story? I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, if, I, I think, think it's just, kind of supposed to be – I mean, tra- if we're talking about, like, um, doing – whether or not this is like um, this tracks with um, the culture from which it it comes, right? Like the idea that, as as I get it, is that Christmas Eve is special in that the devil has lease on that, yes, right, yes. on that day to to run amok, right? So I think this is very traditionally probably a Christmas story for um, for Gogol and his his folks, right? Yeah, and I, yeah. Don't, I don't want to say absolutely because I don't know, but yeah. you know, 
we well, we could look at that and say that sounds about right. Well, when you think about it too, and you you think about like Orthodox Catholicism, mm -hmm. you know, one of the major differences there that is really important to note is that like they don't believe um, in the infallibility of the Pope. They 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 are far more hardwired to the fallibility of of man and and mm -hmm. how they, we are going to make mistakes and different things like that. Like this isn't the devil; he's one of many. Mm -hmm. Right. And he seems to be a lesser devil, to be honest with you, uh, just when just in, in terms of the story as it goes on. And so I think that, you know, to Franco, to your point, that that does really make a lot of sense, because if we're if we're looking at how it tracks with, you know, within the culture, um, it makes a ton of sense, because if we even look at, uh, you know, what um, Bulgakov's doing with uh, Master Margarita, we see the same thing. The devil's there for the solstice to run amok. Right. Essentially. Uh, all our holidays, religious or not, are around some kind of solstice usually. So we have the winter solstice here. The devil's around to run amok. He has the night until you know the, the sun comes up, um, and and then he he's able to uh, you know sort of like be wrangled by this blacksmith. So I guess that's the bigger thing here. If we're talking about is this a Christmas story? Do we have a Christ character? Do we have a Christ figure in the blacksmith? Um, or do we have this more traditionally Russian uh, uh, idea of, of this fallibility? I mean, the further east you go in Europe, the less religious you get. Right. And so it, it is interesting for us as Americans to see that um, sort of like waning of that real hard sort of uh, Christian belief, um, because the further east you get, uh, you really do see it start to waning in a much more humanist idea of of what uh our stories are around and and, and towards that, and for why do you think that is that's that's a really that's a i mean you're saying that and you talk about master margarita and now this it's like yeah absolutely yeah why why do you why why is that do you think you know it's one of those things where i think the further east you get the more I mean, this isn't universal, but there's there's a harsher landscape. And I think once we're talking about where these guys are coming from, with especially Gogol being uh, of Ukrainian and, and Cossack descent and stuff like that, we have this sort of like um, interesting perspective on on life and that it is harsh and that you you have so much time and you should use it to adventure. I mean, if we look at Russian literature in general, the idea of adventure is at the heart of it all. Right. And and, you know, what you spend your life doing is, is really, really important because life is life is really pretty rough. And so I think this this belief um, in in it being less absolute and more humanist makes a lot more sense because it's more survivalist. Mm hmm. You know, um, and I, I don't know, you see that in a lot of myths of like uh, Aboriginal tribes and different things like that, too. Like the further back you go, the more humanist the tales become. Right. Um, and, and I think that really speaks to the landscape and the 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 sort of like mode of living that they're in. Um, and th that would be my answer to that, although I'm no scholar on it. So I, I don't, yeah. you know, yeah, want to say know, with any authority or absoluteness. I know almost nothing about Russian literature except, you know, the only thing I, I've known previous is um you know, some minor checkoff that I've read and the Nutcracker. That's about it. Right on. Yeah, the Macaulay Culkin version, right? Yeah. Uh, is there <laughs> is there another one? What? <laughs> There's a Macaulay Culkin version? Of yeah, the his Nutcracker? pops was obsessed with Russian ballet and made him be in the Nutcracker after he did Home Alone. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Not even a joke. It, it, <laughs> Though it really is funny. Interesting when the Rat King comes That's out. That's ridiculous. All he's doing is he's just running on going, ah! Like the whole. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm picturing the Rat Come King as Marv. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, oh, God. That's, that's really National interesting. National treasure. So, so I guess we should say who the blacksmith is, though, because I didn't put that in the yeah. summary. So, so the blacksmith is kind of, uh, you know, when we're looking at it, especially from our American lens, something of a Christ figure, um, because not only does he sort of beat the devil at his own game, he's very virtuous. Um, he's 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 sort of donating virtuous? his time and well, he's donating his time and talent to the church. Um, and I think that he follows the rules. He's trying um, to fuck. That's all he like. He's like, oh, Oksana. He's like, he is just. But he's following the rules riddled to with do lust. it. Yeah, he is. But like, there's our. But there's our humanist thing. Like to deny that is so uh, that, inhuman. That is, that is so. You know that I mean? is such a Catholic. But it's thing. also so Catholic, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that then it's just like shame, shame, shame. And, um, you know, that's that's not necessarily the way that this this plays out. It's more, you know, that was a pretty good dowry, brother. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I think I think it is interesting, though, because the biggest thing is, of course, that he 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 bests the devil. You know, after like he supposedly and know, he comes back from the and... fucking dead. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know. Do, do you think that we're meant to see him in that way or does he still remain a f- the, uh, fallible uh what do you think gregorio well i mean i tend to think whenever there's a, a fucking resurrection <laughs> i mean you, you're you're making a goddamn point to be a little uh christy yeah pretty christy pretty hazy um but in in, in terms of remaining virtuous I, I guess the catholic in me is like because dude really did want to get down hard that's like yes yeah. motivation for yeah. this for everything and it's because oksana is the most beautiful girl woman in the in the village for sure yeah she i mean she's she's blinding blindingly beautiful um just a point point of clarification he he didn't, I I didn't he didn't actually kill himself like he didn't come, literally yeah, come no no yeah he said he was no he okay all right yeah I was gonna say I was like, like and that's what everybody thought yeah I was like I didn't I missed something yeah, yeah right no. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's um you know said I think like three or four times like he drowned himself he comes I think oh, yes. at one point doesn't the one dude go he's back from the dead. Oh yeah, well everything everyone well, thinks that's he dies because he, right? yeah. like, he flew off to, like, to fucking St. Petersburg. It's, it's right? still yeah. despite the devils and, and the moon thing. Um <laughs> like resurrection in and of itself is inherently impossible. I mean, it's especially talking if you're thinking of like of a humanist lens. But if everybody around creates this legend about somebody dying and returning, I mean, isn't that right. Christ itself? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not disputing the theme uh, or, or like the the motif, yeah. right? In the in, in the thing, I was just I was just worrying that I like missed like well, little, that th- to no, that the way we're talking you're about totally it for a second. I, I was to that like, point, though, um, in the very beginning, there's uh, what I thought was the blacksmith's mother um, is this is the witch. 
But then I got turned. Is that correct? Yeah. Is yeah, she, she the witch? Yeah, she's a witch. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. Because I literally, by the end, was still like, is it? You know, because if there's anything that, that frustrates me, like I actually do read a good amount of Russian literature because I, I really do enjoy it. Um, but if there's anything that frustrates me, it's keeping the name straight. Well, because it's they, call her, they call difficult. her a witch and then they call her Shoshana or whatever her name is. So, yeah. Shulsa or whatever, yeah. yeah. I read this like two weeks ago and I haven't actually... Uh... Anyway, um, so... But to that point, it was giving me a little bit of a Midsummer's Night, a Midsummer Night's Dream vibes, where all of a sudden, in the beginning there, where she's like riding a broomstick or something. Well, there's a lot of the supernatural shit happening, mm -hmm. and then the devil takes the moon, the witch takes the stars, and it kind of sets everything in motion. Yeah, um, and then also in that Shakespeare thing, it's like where it's the same characters, but they have like so similar names so it's like wait who's who yeah and yeah. is that on purpose this kind of <laughs> uh you know crafted confusion does it really pull you into this night of um of mischief and mayhem that's a really good point yeah crafted confusion i like that um because i i also like that a grown man had to be told that his mom was a witch i was like I didn't pick up on that like all along the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> Jesus. And and I mean that's but then of course that's hilarious because once the moon is pulled, I, I would like to talk about that just in terms of like um I guess craft and like how, how how that metaphor operates. But um once the moon's pulled, what is it, four or five men end up at the witch's door mm -hmm. and the the most yeah. rapey well, of all, the, the creepiest four. one of all is is what I guess is the equated to the minister. And he's he's walking up to her and going, "Ooh, what is that?" And like touching her ear, and she goes, "That's yeah, yeah. my ear." And they, oh, "What is that?" And then like runs his finger down her neck. <laughs> and then, Ooh, what the way you're doing what this is, is that? Really... <laughs> what is that? And like runs his fingers over her arms, and it's my arm. Oh God, that is one of the. I, I, it's amazing to me that this is a 200 year old story that's making me laugh. Is it in that years way? Old? I mean, it's up there, man. I thought this was written in the like 50s maybe i'm con confusing that with the um but it's 2020 oh, dude oh no 18 yeah yeah you know what i mean like it's close enough um Shit. yeah i mean once you once you breach the the 150 barrier you might as well just say 200 yeah i'm just i'm just knocking it up oh this was this was <laughs> in the 1800s okay sorry you know because the animation came out in the 50s i i just had it the animation came out it, it, what like freaking 1919 or something Shit, my dates and also well, I, I Daniel, I, I think that I had a I, I don't know very much Russian literature and I drew so many parallels to, to Mar Master and Margarita. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. Bulgakov was was inspired by this and it, to a point where like, you know, that came out in, in the 50s or 60s. Correct. Correct. I mean, it so, finally came I, out I mean, in the in the 50s, but it had been written like 10 or 15 years before. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, it. It read to me. I, I was just as 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 befuddled by the names and the the comedy and the bizarre goings on as I was with Master and Margarita. And like I said when we did that book, I was like, I don't really know how to talk about this yet, and I'm finding myself in a similar position. Isn't it funny? I feel like after I read this, I was like, Oh my God, the Master is Gogol. He 
wants to save people with his writing. He burns his manuscript. Hmm. He's dealing with the Holy devil. Shit. It's like crazy. I, I didn't, you know what I mean? And and it was like just a kind of a realization. Um, wow. So I, we missed a very, I think, I think it's worth mentioning. The witch, who is also the blacksmith's mom, mm-hmm. is is the town uh, sex worker. Right. And everybody Because everybody's that. coming to see her the second that yeah. moon's out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my translation says she greatly enjoyed having a train of suitors. <laughs> a train. And, and I, I want to pause there. I want to pause there for a moment because I, I, I was able to pick up the, like, the, you know, you know, this never works with the virtual background. The penguin, um, like, edition oh, wow. of this thing, nice. which wow. is, uh, is, is translated by, um, a chick by the name of Anna Summers, who uh, who clearly has translated a lot of Russian because they, they give her you know all, all the things that she's worked on. Um, how I have to say, my experience reading this at multiple points was like that was not easy in terms of like I was like this is poorly written, <laughs> and so like. Just like just in the in the way that things flow, and I'm like, I I think it has to be that just so much is lost in translation w- with this. And what wasn't for me was some of the description. I thought like the descriptive portions that talked about the set that, that set setting, right? Like, um, really read well for me. But a lot of just like the the dialogue and like the just kind of body, you know, movement through things. I was like. Uh, this is this is kind of hard, and so I'm wondering like what other people's experience was of that, and and Daniel, just I, I didn't mean to derail you because I know you want to talk about the fact, you know, I, about her, you know, being being a witch, but it just reminded me of that and made me think of it. So I don't know. I just want to put that out there on the back burner too, to to, to kind of talk about it. Some. No, I was just bringing yeah. up that point just so we all know why everybody was coming to her house, and yeah, uh, yeah. and then they all yeah. hide in sacks. That, yeah, S A C K S. Yeah, on the floor because they don't want the other one to see that they are there, right? So it ends up being five dudes in these various sacks. Usually it's two like men an adult to a, world. Usually two men to a sack, <laughs> uh, on top of one another, right? In in these things to make sure that the the next one doesn't see them in there. And the devil's um, in one of those sacks as well. The devil's in, the devil's the first dude in there. The he's, devil he's, was just D T F. He's like, this is my night out. Yeah, yeah. That oh, was, yeah, I mean, he literally went with that express purpose, it seemed. Um, yeah. And did you guys, I don't know if you found it interesting, but um, that everyone who's not Russian or Ukrainian uh, is called German. Germans. And, and yeah. any woman who is doing the slightest thing untoward is a witch. Yeah, I, I looked that up. That's actually um, not, what's the word I'm thinking for? Um, that's... That's like just true. If you're just not, if you're not Russian, you're German, right. no matter exactly. where you're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's really interesting. Germans? Um, it, it's one of those. Yeah, I have a, um, I have a footnote on it in in this edition. It's like they were very specific that they wanted to make sure yeah. you knew that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that I I took note of, Franco, to your earlier point, um, is like, you know, there there is a certain, just like stylistic thing that's happening with these this this time between sort of like oral tradition myth and and where we're actually getting to 
uh, a place where like the novel is a little bit more accepted stories are, are being consumed at a greater rate um and 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 that idea like you're saying of, of the plotting being a little bit clumsier or like um sort of telegraphing what's happening a little bit um that that i think is is something of a a, a time period um kind of thing as well um but one of the things that I noticed that I thought was really great was there'd be these really, really sharp moments. Um, and in the translation that, that Daniel sent over is the one I, I've been looking at. It'll be interesting because the, the, the book that I got you guys, um, that, those, those are really, really, really strong translators. And this is in there. So it might be different. Um, I think they did our, okay. the one Master and Margarita. They did. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. absolutely did. They're, they're pretty solid. Um, I saw that I saw that Tolstoy did a translation of this. I didn't oh, pick that one up, that but there's there's one out there that, that he did. Um, yeah. But there'd be these moments where, like for instance, where it says uh, she prayed without praying, right? And there's there's these lines and these these various moments in there where you're like, oh damn, like that's that's almost like minimalist in a way. That's like he, he's he's doing so much in these in these few, um, you know, these few lines or, or these few words. Um, where that would always kind of like bring me back. And then he kind of like coupled that or followed that up with like a really solid uh, piece of either characterization, something like that. Um, so yeah, I definitely was, was feeling that, but it didn't feel, I guess in the, when I was reading it as um, obvious or clumsy as perhaps you were experiencing. Yeah. It was just like, like this, I feel like, I think I think it's a translation, a stylistic choice on the part of the translator, because like for instance, at one point, like uh, there's a, a moment where Chubb um, rumbles and and he says, "Geez, you really lay it on," and I was <laughs> like, "Geez, you really lay it on?" Like I was like, I, I was like, yeah. I feel, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, Jeez. like, how did Golly. you get? To I mean, like you know. <laughs> J E E Z, jeez, you really lay it on. And I was like, "Are we in the 1950s? Like, what's happening here?" I feel like it's like we're in like Happy Days, and like, jeez, man, you really lay it on. Yeah, yeah, there were definitely stop talking about. There were definitely a few uh, a few of those in there. Yeah, so I wonder if that's a moment where the choice was: do we put a footnote in to catch you up? to the i guess like slang of the time or do we just go with what we no. use you know no no i mean that's the job of the translator is to capture the voice of the, of the yeah text. i mean like you know and so that's why i'm really interested i'm glad i'm 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 super excited that you gifted us that book first of all um that's totally generous of you um beyond generous of you um but i'm excited to actually do a little bit of comparison around yeah. this stuff um because yeah. I mean, it's things vary so much. I mean, we've all read things in translation. We've all done, like, cross-textual analysis and things like that. I just remember from my days in studying Latin, like, for instance, like, looking at different trots and looking at different ways in which, you know, um, translators handle the text, yeah. right? Um, so I, I think it's probably stylistic, and, and I'm interested to read another version of this because I want to see if I have a different reaction. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah. A, that's a really good um, note to make, too, because I think one of the things that I was looking at with – with craft and stuff like that was more of this like magical realism and, and stuff like that and, and how he's handling that. But on the, 
you know, with the, with regard to the translation and different yeah. things too, it's like, yeah, I, I wonder how much is, how much of his folk sensibilities he was trying to let go of because when we look at it, he makes a really specific point to say that the blacksmith, because he spent time away from the provincial town in the city that he was picking up and he could speak like a book, you know, and, and the, the other Cossacks who, who, who were going in to meet the czar and the czarina um, could speak like a book as well. And it was almost as if they were wielding language at times to get what they wanted. And, and the Cossacks were really sort of brilliant and adept at doing that, which I thought was, was, was a really interesting thing knowing Gogol and how he was kind of not necessarily embarrassed. I mean, the duality of this guy is crazy because he is very much so wanting to present as educated, as clever, you know, and, and take people to task who need to be taken to task. And at the same time, he has this inner like kind of almost shame of where he's from, that he wasn't born into this. You know, and and it's interesting to look at just like the history of the nation where you have like, I think it's Peter the Great or somebody uh, puts out this this idea that like if you work in government, you can become like a part of the gentry and a landowner uh, if you raise high enough in rank. So there's like this he he makes like this. Uh, I forget what the fuck it was called, but it's this like idea of um, uh, basically a ranking system. Where if you got high enough, you became what you used to be have to born it, what you used to um, previously have to have been born into, right? And so I wonder if he's trying to, if he's just got this this complex because of that, and and um, that uh, he's fighting himself and slipping into these like more folky sort of traditional Ukrainian approaches to storytelling, but then also trying to put on the airs that he is intelligent and he, and he can, it can wield a story in this way. And that's why we see the juxtaposition between, you know, <laughs> some dialogue versus the, she, she prayed without praying, which I, I keep going back to that, but that really struck me. I thought that was such a fantastic execution given the setup for it, you know, in the mm -hmm. context of that line. You said it all, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is fucking, ha it happens every time. I'll, I'll be like working out a, a fucking thing in my head that I should have just worked out silently and then said later. And then I just fucking end a whole segment. Damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, a, seg nice. a segment's a segment, you know? And that's, I feel like you had some thoughts that you you came full circle on there, my friend. You were the, the moon escaped your pocket <laughs> oh i'm so glad you brought that back because that's what i wanted to, to say yeah. what do we think and, and that's a really good thing that i think we we should actually dig in a little bit like that's a choice and 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 what do we think the representation is there of you know uh that on this day that he gets to run amok the devil chooses to to steal the moon and do so, it and you know I, th I think i think that it um much like I said in, um, you know, Shakespeare, Midsummer Night's Dream, and also in, <clears throat> um, what else? So many tales where <laughs> things just get, <laughs> that's how you. A lot of stuff. Uh, and a lot of stuff, guys. <laughs> many of the me. thing. Trust me, there's lots of stuff. Um, <laughs> I can't point to what, but there's, I know there's it's There's so many. There's so many, I can't point at one. There's a forest of them. A number um, of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, that it sends the night in disarray, so anything can happen if you set up your story where anything can happen right away as just natural 
hey, mm. this is just the way things are. Mm. Well, then when anything happens, your reader, your audience isn't going to question it. So right. it, it's I don't it, I wouldn't say like it keeps you on your toes, but it definitely places you in um uh, in a kind of fantastic place. I don't want to say like in a magical place. That's that's not the word I want. Calculated um, chaos, right? Or whatever you said before. Yeah, that was a good phrase for it. Yeah. Oh, that's supernatural. Yeah, I said before is good. <laughs> what I'm saying now is not good. It's, it's, it's supernatural. I mean, I'm I'm reminded reading this. So t a couple things. One one thing is, um, I think that I didn't recognize. I I don't think I recognized the genre of this when I first started reading. I read it cold, and and I have no background on Gogol. I have no background on Russian literature, really. Um, and so I just kind of like started reading and I started to pick up things. I was like, Oh, this is supposed to be funnier than what I imagined it might be. And by the time the Zarina is like, just straight up handing over her slippers to like this dude who just is dressed up like a fake Cossack and is like, you know, whatever. I was like, Oh, I was like, I get what's <laughs> happening here. Like, like it's not just supernatural. There's an element of like the ridiculous and like just you know, it's 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 completely in there. And that that made me think a lot of Chaucer and like teaching Canterbury Tales and just the wealth of folk, um, you know, the the wealth of, of of traditional folk stories that he brings in into telling of each of those tales and and the kind of ridiculousness of the Miller's Tale and you know these people just getting naked and finding themselves naked in a in a lascivious kind of like soup in a in, in a tub you know what i mean like they're just like you know this kind of mm. kind of weird you know <laughs> it's like weird hedonistic hilarity right um that borders on like the violent and the sexual like i'm i i could kill you but or we could you know fuck like it's like it's, it's like you never know Merry what, what's gonna happen anybody. right yeah i mean and this is the comedy that we love i mean this is what we watch and 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 are so excited about in 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 our culture in our pop culture right yeah. i mean you know these are the folk tales of our times too and so like i think i like really accessed it at a much higher level once i understood the genre as a reader um and i'd actually like to see someone who is like a, kind of a specialist in in folk um you know in folk storytelling what they, how they would look at this cross culturally and and see it as as a as a piece of of folk uh, storytelling. Yeah, I don't know. That, and you know what that really brings to mind is like, um, Gogol Bordello, the the Gypsy Punk band, who when he goes back to Ukraine where he's from, he's taking traditional Ukrainian folk music and he's infusing it with electronic music and 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 basically American punk, and when he goes back. They want nothing to do with him. They think he's bastardized the whole thing and that it's really kind of sick what he's done um, because there's a, a real adherence to the tradition. And that that is really a, a fascinating thought to wonder what if Gogol returned to, to Ukraine and and, you know, would he have been seen as the hero? And I think in a large part, he kind of was um, in his in his time, especially with uh, Dead Souls. But like. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing. If there was a pocket of people who were like, "You're taking our stuff and you're changing it and making it for everybody, and it's our stuff," you know. You think that's what's happening here? I no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying okay. it'd be interesting to do a little digging oh, and right, see. Right, 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 right. I really, I really don't know. Um, let me, let me um. So, 
Franco started talking, and it just and it it just kicked off my uh, thought that I was trying to get at before about why things get all fucked up in the beginning, and I think it plays into this point of um, these are the tales we like being told. Um, for a story, and then and then also it's a larger point to tie it in of why this actually can be a Christmas story. Um, okay. So things have to get fucked up because we need space for our characters to redeem themselves, to prove that they're worthy. Whether it's Jesus or the blacksmith trying to uh, get his dick wet, or whether it's... Uh, <laughs> Die hard. Die hard. <laughs> <laughs> or John McClane just trying to get back to his wife. Walking through that glass, man. Yeah, man. You gotta... The, there needs to be space for redemption because we all feel that if the chips were down that's how we would like to behave. We feel like that's how we would act. We wouldn't. We know for a fact that, that me and Gregorio would be in piles of piss, <laughs> you know, in Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. How does one, what is a pile of piss? Like, it's a puddle. It can't be a pile. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a pool. <laughs> guess if you're dehydrated also you're literally describing <laughs> iron man 3 so fuck your initial analysis of this christmas debate so what do you mean the whole redemption thing yeah you're you're, you're making an argument for no, die no, 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 no. and iron so, man 3 really so, so here's so here's the um the the crux as it were is that uh i think that good must pro prevail over evil like an actual goodness must prevail over an actual evil and here in um christmas eve this, this is called like so many different things anyway in this yeah. story that we're reading the night before christmas in this edition um there is actual good prevailing over actual evil and at the end there's the picture of the devil on the wall kids spit at it when they walk mm. by in um a christmas carol it's actually you have seen the future of, of, of despair, and there's an innate change. In movies like Die Hard, you just pushed Professor Snape off of a roof. Like, that's it. Your wife still hates <laughs> He was you. murdering innocent people. <laughs> okay, but, but McLean didn't have to search his inner self. He was like, all right, I guess... I guess I'll do it, right? Yeah. He's the reluctant hero. You're talking about a deconstruction of a trope. The, the fuck are you talking the about? Reluctant hero. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I know. I see. I see what you're saying there. I definitely. It's. It's. It's oh, interesting. Sorry. sorry to look let me. At. Let me just. Let me just butt in before you go off. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, no. Necessary. The final. The final. Uh, piece to that. To that crux, is that. <laughs> It has to have something to actually do with the Christmas, whether it's the solstice or the actual celebration of Christmas. In this story, it's around this night where the devil's free because it's the solstice and he's allowed to do that. Christmas Carol, it's, well, you're going to be visited ghosts because you hate Christmas so much. And um, they're the only two things that are about Christmas, this and the Christmas Carol. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> I want to apply your framework to National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. <laughs> You're developing a framework here. I mean, for, for Christmas, you know. Well, I think Daniel's Christmas trying story. to make a framework, but it's failing. <laughs> I, 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 because he's, he's just describing stories. It's, a, it's, it's what one of my professors used to call a drafty draft. It's a drafty draft. 
like basically what he's saying is there has to be a narrative and it has to be during Christmas. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I know. That's what. It, yeah. I think, I think for, for me though, like at the end, I think that's why it's, it's so interesting because we know that Christmas like falls in and out of fashion. But what never kind of does is this idea of what ultimately the the purpose of this death of the year is meant to be. Right. Because that's that's what it is. The winter solstice is is you're you're pretty far away from being able to, you know, be outside and 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 do all these things that that are representative of spring and summertime and new life and all this other stuff so you're you're kind of entering this this hibernation in this this time where your choices are limited and ultimately you're meant to be reflective and so it's funny to 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 look at you know what matters i think is is one of the major takeaways from all of these is is what stands out what ends up mattering? What is worth it? What's worthwhile? Um, and with this and, and a few of the other ones, and, and frankly, particularly in Russian literature in general, that sort of getting to the core, the essence of, of the human experience and, and really getting to what matters is, is at the, the center of it all, usually. Um, and when we're talking about this, it's, it's fascinating to think that like Santa Claus you know, can be connected to a shaman in Siberia well before St. Nick walks the earth. And it's a dude drinking reindeer piss who have been eating the mushrooms that pop up at the winter solstice. And what he brings to people at Christmas at the winter solstice is wisdom and sits down and talks with them about their year and how they can do better and be better the following year and what they can do to improve themselves and their lives and their their people. Um, And so I think it's really fascinating that this idea of, of what matters um, and what lengths we'll go to for what matters to us um, sort of being at, at, at the core of, of most of these, you know, there's redemption. Yes. But I think it's more this introspection as to really what matters to you. Um, and I, I don't know to, 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 I think that needs to be an addition to the, to the Christmas, to the Christmas framework. Cause yeah, Gr- gremlins is a Christmas movie because it takes place during Christmas, but I'm not sure that we get the sense of really what matters. Although I'm sure we could go round and round about the allegorical nature of the gremlin itself <laughs> and the mogwai and what, you know what I mean? But uh, I, I don't know that we have the time. I'm ready to do that. <laughs> I know. I saw you. You were <laughs> you were chomping at the bit. Subscribe to our the Patreon, microphone. and that'll be a bonus cast. <laughs> <laughs> they dig into the Mogwai while listening to Mogwai. <laughs> that literally sounds like the best night. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of fun. I I'll think agree. I'm busy, yeah. I'm busy actually that night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess I guess you know in the in the end I feel like this would be a great one and if I'll, I'll i'll do like a little close just you know for sake of time and stuff like that i think we got through quite a bit of it um for me this really does seem like a pretty awesome coupling with like any unit that's that's framed around myth and, and could work as this f- pretty fairly excellent bridge from like myth to the short story and like really examining how that um sort of like can movement from oral tradition to to more you know i don't want to say more literary but i guess that is the only way to describe it um 
you know, forms of storytelling. Is this something you guys have been working on on the podcast, linking it to um, teaching? That's that something that's kind it's of it's something been that I kind of throw in uh, here and there if I if I get a sense like how would I teach it? You know, like what would I how, what would my approach be? Because um, I do think about that when I'm reading it a lot, and sometimes I think it's worthwhile to include it. And this one I really do think would be a really really cool bridge, um, just given the way that it's written. And and you know, t Franco, to your point, just talking about translation, you know, because that's a huge thing when we're talking about myth. Um, you know, that's not in the language. Yeah, I can't remember when I was teaching uh, Chaucer with the 12th graders at GAMP, um, but it'd be interesting if I had been teaching it to then do this around Christmas time and to see if we could do some kind of a type typology around folk tales and, and to see where we can see some cross-cultural connection there. Yeah, especially with the religious aspect and just noticing that change too, yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Daniel and Nick, any closing thoughts on the night before Christmas, Christmas Eve? Um, yeah, I, I think for for listeners who are not versed in, in Russian literature, the the practice of reading it is is great. Um, but you probably are going to be a little frustrated by what you're not picking up. And that's where I find myself. To where I found myself with the Master and Marguerite. It doesn't take away from the fact that I, I enjoyed this piece and I enjoyed Master and Margarita. It's just um, maybe it's a translation thing. Maybe it's a lack of knowledge thing. Like when you said, like, Gogol is the master, uh, I felt like you blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> um, and I thought that was great. And, like, that's why we, you know, we we pursue knowledge so we can feel that way and, and learn things uh but um for a layman like me i should say like it's just it's difficult and like there's so much to read and like russian stuff takes a really long time for me to read oh yeah because um, it's typically super long too like oh it's dense <laughs> yeah and well um, this one so, too i thought was actually the names yeah were confusing but they they didn't have the surnames attached which is usually typical of a Russian novel, and they're all Ivanovich. Um, my my closing thought on the night before Christmas is, um, I think I think it's a classic tale of uh, Christmas spirit. Of uh, you know, if you really if you really believe that you belong with somebody, that you should um, fake your death and then uh, <laughs> hope that they feel sorry for you. And that really captures it. That's yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and, and then Merry Christmas. And then Merry Christmas. And, and if you get the chance on YouTube, you can check out this bizarre cartoon adaptation of this from Soviet Russia, which it says 1919 on the thing, which I don't know if that's like the translation they're using or if that's when it actually came out. Now that I'm thinking about it, Daniel. But I remember seeing it as a little kid because it would pop up on whatever weird channel. Um, so definitely check that out if you get a chance. Just look it up on YouTube, dear listener. Uh, yeah, awesome. Franco? Oh, I, I probably said enough or too much already. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I, um, I, went, I went in not knowing anything. I, uh, I, I was at times um, drawn in and at times underwhelmed. 
and I think that a lot of that had to do with, with um, translation. Um, and I came out feeling a lot more um, fulfilled, you know, in, in terms of, you know, even in just in this conversation, um, uh, in talking through it, as often happens with yeah. literature, uh, the complexities kind of emerge. Um, you get you get a different perspective on it. So um, no, it's been it's been a great experience. Awesome, awesome, excellent. Well, let's let's move it forward um, to uh, Phoebe Bridges' album from from this year. Um, if we uh, make it through December, Daniel, do you want to uh, give us a little? little background on yeah. her i know you, you you picked her and you are quite the fan correct yes 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 um so i'm not an original phoebe bridgers fan that that credit goes solely uh to my wife who's been a fan since day one um i just kind of got into her uh i guess in the beginning of quarantine my mm. wife had her on the our you know a household playlist and it just kept playing it's like oh i like this and then her next album came out, you know, like a month or two later. So, um, yeah. And then she had this playing, you're saying? No, her original, her first album. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But, but yeah, this yeah, yeah. one. So as I was ex- exploring more Phoebe Bridgers over the summer, I saw that she, she does kind of like the Beatles thing where almost every year she puts out a Christmas song. Mm. Um, so this year when she put out her new Christmas song, she put it out as an EP with her previous uh, three other tracks. Got so, you. So that kind of that's kind of the genesis of this EP. If we make it through December, the new song on this one is Merle Haggard's "If We Make It Through December," which I didn't realize they were all covers at first, because the lyrics weren't as good on this. And I was like, "Oh, she's a much better lyricist." And I brought it up with with my wife. She's like, "Oh, because that that's a cover." And I was like, "Ah, explains ah. it." <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so um, if we make it through December by Merle Haggard, um, there's someone i've never heard of mccarthy trenching i don't know who they are they have a song called christmas song she covered that yeah and then we've got two classics silent night with um the seven o'clock news which is just tragic kind of dubbed over yeah like an actual news broadcast and then her version of the saddest christmas song ever have yourself a merry little christmas yes and i it should be noted that uh is uh Fiona Apple's on the Silent Night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, so she's a big collaborator. Phoebe Bridges is like, she collaborates with a lot of people and a lot of like really good people. So, um, case in point, Fiona Apple. That's why I I picked it. Um, It's fitting. Um, I am like more obsessed with a 26 year old uh, musician than I probably should be, and. uh, Well, she's she's great because she's got this voice that isn't this like very wispy voice that you you almost expect given her playing. Mm-hmm. And then you also aren't getting. I don't know, like I totally expected like a very XPN vibe, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. Sh- and I didn't get that. I got more of an old soul kind of situation. I'm with you on that, man. She's she's very honest and her um honesty really and individuality certainly comes across so last year you guys shit all over weezer's christmas album and because it was bad (laughs) 
Yeah, because it's soft. Frank, are you stuck up for it? You stuck up for me. <laughs> you son of a bitch. He was being nice. He was just being a gracious guest. Now he's now he's like seven miles away on the internet. <laughs> um, so so to the to the point of Weezer last year, it's we talked about the dangerous territory of covering of doing Christmas albums. Um, yeah. So the reason that Weezer is is still awesome. And the other, and the reason that Phoebe Bridgers' Christmas songs work, and they hit that that kind of really nice spot, is that it sounds like her. It mm. sounds like her music. Weezer's sounded like Weezer's music. Often, when you have Christmas albums, we can. I was going to pick the Goo Goo Dolls Christmas album for this. Oh, you stupid son of a bitch! <laughs> I was. They no, don't sound like anybody. That's why I agree. Like, they don't have their own sound. And that's sound. why I agreed with you. <laughs> yeah, I've listened to enough Goo Goo Dolls. That's why man. I agreed with you last year, Daniel. Like, <laughs> it sounded like Weezer. And so that, that made sense. Like, that's why I agreed with you, too. Um, yeah. Murder by Death, they just put out a Christmas album. And it's... Yeah. So both of these new ones, the, the Goo and Murder by Death, they're like, they're kind of dog shit. They just sound like homogenized, just here's my limp dickin' Christmas album. <laughs> Right, you said yeah, you said that. I was surprised about Murder by Death because they are, um, just such a good band. And but uh, you know, I haven't listened to it yet, but yeah. I definitely take your word. I feel like they'd be uniquely suited to do a Christmas album. Take a listen, my friend. Yeah, I'll definitely have to give it a listen for sure. But this does sound like her, and I think to to um, what you're saying there as well as like just that she kind of like takes risks and whatnot like the seven o'clock news with silent night is really intense it took me a it took me a little while to finally like kind of enjoy that yeah i don't think you're meant to though you know very tough i don't think you're meant to listen to that song ever again and hear it that way yeah ever again oh so that's i mean so that's interesting and and, um we could tie this to all sorts of art when an artist presents something and it changes your perspective on that thing, a thing that yeah. you held in this position, and then all of a sudden it's like, sorry, my friend. It's actually like this. Sorry. Yeah. And, and I also don't think it's that Gen Z thing of a uh, millennial thing of trying to like ruin stuff that like you like. Um, I, I don't think that that's that's happening because that happens on the on the social media sometimes where it's like, yeah. remember this thing that you thought was awesome? Yeah, Zach Morris is a fucking loser. Like uh, he's the worst, you know, um, like that's, you know, obviously kind of true. Wasn't. But also like, um, <laughs> you know, I don't think that's going on here at all. I think this is like, yeah, like we have to remember what uh, what's happening, even though it's December, we have to like keep our keep our heads and our wits about us here. Um, because we can't unknow any of this stuff now. Like, um, I've been talking about this a bunch with Jill. Like, the the uh, the Great Oz has been revealed, and there's no way to put that curtain back up. You can't. Um, and and that's that's a very I think upsetting state for Americans to be in who just want to um, have things be the way that they were promised and the way that they've always been. And I think there's a lot of people that are reacting really, really strongly and negatively to the, frankly, empty promise that they were given and fed as kids um, 
not coming true and, and, and seemingly not ever going to be able to come true again for them or their children. You know, and I think that that that's one of the things that I really took from this album was, you know, especially that song was like, yeah, like Silent Night, man. Like this is this is don't ever listen to this song the same way again. And to choose Silent Night for that um, and layer that that news of like the reality of things like I don't know, it, it, it harkened back to me of like the blacking out of the the social media profiles and, and, and the making space and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, also, piggybacking off of that, the, the title of the EP and then the title of her song that she just released is, even though it's, it's sad and it's super depressing, um, she's casting a lion out there. If we yeah. make it through December, you know, if, so there's also this if, you know, this question yeah, it's not of, when. <laughs> yeah, but it's like if we do, you know, you know, there's not even a word for that feeling. It's like if we make it through, right? Yeah, what's it's, on it's, the other it's, side? It's like a tenuous hope. Yeah, yeah. That flutters. I don't know what's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, nope. I've never been a guy that can just like <laughs> recite poetry. I want to be that person. I just want to be like, ah, hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the... Like, I just want to be able to pull out a little, dust off a little... pretty good. A little Billy Shakes at, at the exact I right am, moment, you know? But we're getting Billy I am comes. a leaf on the wind. Yeah. Watch how I soar. <laughs> it's from Firefly. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> that show ruled, you fucking idiot. What's the matter ruled with you? so much got canceled. <laughs> By Fox. So combative. Um, <laughs> other... I, I don't know other other thoughts on on this. I actually I found when I was uh, listening to it, like I know it's an EP and and I'm used to listening to EPs. I really didn't want it to end, though it made me feel weird. I didn't need this album in my life. <laughs> um, it's good, you know. I think Phoebe Phoebe Bridges is really good. I liked Punisher a lot. Uh, at this point, um in in the world uh pandemic um after a snowstorm and i fucking hate snow um this was the saddest thing that i did not need to listen to right now and that um it spoiled it for me and i wish it hadn't because i i do believe that it these are these are with merit and i think Silent Night uh, on this is um, pretty great, uh, but it's like it's like The Lobster. If you've ever seen that movie, yeah, I saw that movie. I never want to see that fucking movie again. Right? Yeah, I um, see the comparison. Yeah, um, and there's and timing I, to I, that too, you know. So it's just I am all I've been able to listen to for most of the last year is like Friends of Rom, No Effects, and ska music. Because it's like angry, but in a fun way. Um, right. And this is just sad. Yeah. Very sad. It is tough. It's like, you know, how much uh, uh, how much can we handle and invest ourselves in and, and when we're listening to, to something like this? Yeah, like what do we use music for? You know, well, and, so and it's interesting to look at the artist's perspective versus the 
the listener, you know. Um, part of what yeah. Phoebe Bridges is using her art here for, worth noting, you brought it up, proceeds will be donated to the Downton Women's Center in Los Angeles. So just that's like super noble as well. But also yeah. there's something also like depressing about that, though, too, right? That that has to happen, that we're making like GoFundMes for people to get a surgery they need. Yeah, an artist super is, wealthy. Yeah. Here's your sad thing that I'd like you to buy so we can like help people that need that need the help. Because yeah. it's sad that they it's come to this that we've got to. Yeah. yeah, I don't know uh, Franco. Any, any thoughts on this one? <laughs> well, Nick will Nick Mihalik will tell you that uh, I texted him while listening to this album. Um, I've had like a pretty visceral experience with with a lot of music. Um, I I was listening to this sitting in a parking lot while. Jackson and Henry, my sons, were getting their hair cut. Um, and uh, it was actually on the afternoon before my ex-wife passed away. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't know that in four hours I was watch her pass away. Um, and I said to him, I was like, I, I think that I'm probably going to like, I don't know what my exact words were. I think it was burst into like, tears. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to burst into tears on the podcast if you yeah. <laughs> make me talk about yeah. this album. And I'm actually glad it got, um, glad, glad the podcast got postponed by a week because uh, it's been pretty tough. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I will tell you that music has, um, as it always has, has had the power to, um, the, the, the cathartic power of music. Um, has become more and more uh, real to me. Last couple, of and um, I, I'm totally with you, Gregorio. About it's like, do do we need this right now? Like, it, I'd rather listen to Bob. No effects. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and uh, you know, or propaganda or some some fun stuff, right? Um, but you know, I. It's it's also important, I think. I mean, take this at an esoteric level. <laughs> you know, as 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 the Greeks, the Greek dramatists taught us, right? Uh, catharsis is is such an important thing. Yeah. Um, and um, I will tell you this: Silent Night was just haunting. Um, yeah. So haunting. I mean, I I I I um, I opted out of social media um, with Ferguson. So I haven't, I haven't been a, a the exception of Instagram. I mean, I, I, I deleted my Facebook account almost, almost immediately after all this um, most the most recent fate of killing over the last decade started, um, just because I couldn't bear to watch the garbage that was happening um, with people that I knew and um, and I grew up with, and so um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, such a disgusting thing. Um, but uh, you know, the good thing is that her music will be there beyond this, and it becomes an artifact. Yeah, and we can revisit it at another time, and maybe not feel as you know intensely 
uh, affected by it. And might yeah, man. No, I, I mean, I that's just, that's well said. It, it's it's one of those things, and I actually really it does make me think of Tolstoy and 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 his views, where like the whole point of art to be to develop empathy, to have you walk a little bit in someone else's um, space and, and inhabit that space for enough time where you can begin to change your perspective. And I, I think one of the things that's really interesting is, is trying to think about what's hardened people to not even be open to the possibility that their perspective is not the only one. And and I wonder talking about this like does like would Silent Night touch the people that maybe need to hear it or is it just making the people that are already there feel worse? You know, and and I I I kind of struggle with that a lot like like what are you are you putting Putting out there and have you done enough is it worthwhile enough is it um is it i guess far-reaching enough like does it have the ability to get itself into anybody who's going to approach it or have have we become so divided that there's audiences and niches and that's it and 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 there's there's no more universal humanity um, and I, I really struggle with that with with albums like this and 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 just having this kind of discussion about you know what you're referring to and, and what's going on because it's almost uh, naive at times to think that these you know great artists and and their views on what art can do and 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 achieve might have themselves been naive and it's it's just a very thin line between, hope and naivety i guess yeah i mean i i think that maybe what the power of a christmas album has is that it may reach folks who do put spirituality um in a really do place spirituality in a really um uh important place yeah. in their lives and regardless of what their politics might be or what their um, views or denial of systemic racism might be or, or the ways that they they see themselves positioned in the world and that that might 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 switch them yeah and yeah. using that religious context you know, what's generally thought of as and which it is it's a religious holy night um that that might might change something but I, I share your fear um and and in the cynicism of um, people who just embrace yeah. hatred and um there's not a lot not a lot of way to counter that you can't talk people out of that i don't know but i i think there's i i hope there's hope. A, and, and that is yeah. a really 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 good point man because that is i mean you think about the billions of people that are of the Abrahamic religions, just those, you know, and, and the fact that like, um, yeah, I might, uh, be an atheist, but I, I certainly believe in different planes of existence. And so does that make me spiritual or religious in some way? And where, where, I guess we're in the Venn diagram of it all. What, what 
bit does it overlap and i feel like art does kind of meet there in the middle and that is something that can that can touch on all that and kind of reach out um and be a be a, a hand in the darkness as it were just not like the black mom's hand in the darkness you know more like spiritual hand in the darkness <laughs> you managed you managed to transition us out nice. of uh sadness there nice nothing job. like a hand job to transition you from a <laughs> <laughs> nothing like a handy in the dark you know oh it's the devil it was the We're devil back it to the blacksmith. i'm in the wrong satchel <laughs> um, but to 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 that end too and and it you know to to that point spirituality for sure but there's also this idea of like tradition right like it's a tradition that that franco's on this cast and it's a tradition that i um crack last year's sierra nevada celebration out you know and i think that that's an interesting thing because no matter where you go that's like absolutely universal there's things that we do and we hold on to and there's reasons for them and then sometimes there's not um and and perhaps perhaps tapping into that in some way is uh <laughs> is is another <laughs> like the siberian shirtless men running behind franco right now um yeah maybe 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 that's even beyond you know what what even we're talking about with organized religion and things like that like i'll tell you what this uh this year old celebration is is it's mellow baby it's good stuff let me let me crack this Sly Fox then, yeah. huh? Well, let's yeah. uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Transition into the beer. Let's do the beer. Yeah, I yes, think we sir. said all that needs to be said about that. Music is beautiful. Music is wonderful. We are communal beings, and I cannot wait to go to a show with you all again. Yes. Go buy Phoebe that... Bridger's album, singles, yeah. whatever, on Bandcamp. But, you know, in fact, whatever artist you like right now, wait till Friday and yep. buy their shit on Bandcamp. So they get the money. All right, boys, let's donk ourselves. Let's get a little donkey here. Uh, the Corson Donk Christmas Ale, Kaklank, and Gregorio, what do you got going on there? Remind us. The Sly Fox Christmas Ale that they release once a year, and it is wonderful. So, uh, excellent, excellent. We, we all know, if, any, if, if listener is still here, then undoubtedly they're like, oh, he's drinking that fucking beer again. Uh, yeah, because that's a yearly, <laughs> a yearly refrain. Um, yeah, but Corsten Donk is actually crazy because it's Belgian. Uh, but the Corsten Donk brewery was in operation since 1398, um, and they lasted till like 1784, and then were rebuilt again in 1968. Uh, as a as a hotel complex but they were a brewery for for quite some quite some time um and of course they they still exist as such now but there was like a, a period of time where they you know went out and they they got that that abbey although this is the um the christmas ale is is a brown ale which belgian brown ales are so nice yeah they are so i'm gonna yes, so we, let's put it down the hatch and we'll see what's going on here cheers Eight gentlemen point, 8.1. Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Cheers. Love you guys. Yeah, and although I'm not enjoying it with you right now, I actually ended up having one uh, this past weekend at a, uh, a cookie. Ooh, nice. Oh, this would be um, delicious with a cookie. And so, yeah, man. Mm. Drop a sugar cookie in this and call me Sally. 
I'm getting. Oh. I'm getting Sound a little like bit blacksmith. of. Um, what is that? Is that raisin? You know what it reminds me of? Yeah, that's a re- or, or a date perhaps. A little barley wineish. My, my <laughs> wife must have date. just heard me, Ellie. She <laughs> is giving me a cookie right now. Oh, wow. nice! What a good you what wow. a Christmas <laughs> You Careful. lucky son of a bitch. I'm gonna so this, this does this have ginger cookie with this beer right now. Oh, mm. God damn it. So it's yeah. like um, in the – I found in the – I've never been to Belgium, so obviously that would be the place to go for this kind of beer. But I found in the Netherlands they had a wide variety, and this actually reminded me of the Seif beer. I don't know if you guys have messed with that at all. Um, it's got a little, it's that dude from the fifties pretty much on the thing. And it has the Duvel sort of shape to it. That very shapely glass, uh, bottle, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The little yeah. stout baby. 36, stout baby. 24, 30. <laughs> yeah, there you got it. <laughs> Toots in the Maytails? Oh no, I went another way. Sorry, sorry. So, um, the course and Donk Christmas <laughs> sale, it's a, it's a Belgian brown, 8.1%. Come, comes out, uh. At Christmas time, <laughs> does not taste like eight point one in any shape. No, it's dangerous. It's not even close. Franco, did you? Because you did need you to get fucked feel up. Like it was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, pungent at all when you had it. Did you taste that alcohol? No. No, no. I, I mean, I think that like, it's, it's hard to, outside of like your your um, you know, like the really high octane like whatever they are the the, the triples and stuff the bourbon barrel like the bourbon barrel yeah. stuff like outside yeah. of that like that too much they can sneak a lot of they can sneak a lot of punch in a in a beer and you're like oh <laughs> shit, there i am i mean listen i was restricted for a time from drinking golden yeah. <laughs> because um it just went down that too shit easily sneaks and, up on you and then i would i would yeah i think i've mentioned it before but because victory is in Downingtown, it was so close to westchester when i was at westchester there was a place called 15 north and they would give you a half pitcher for 99 cents on certain nights of the hot devil yeah oh yeah which is mm. which yeah is pretty high and then it was a buck 50 for the golden monkey and sometimes for i just pitcher? double fist That's- them for half pitchers, that's half like pitchers. Asking, oh. That's like asking to be shut down and, by the police. I mean, at I times mean, like, it was, but my point is, is when I was in the Netherlands drinking these and their eight and nine percents, you know, sort of freely and walking around and stuff like that, it's different. It's it's much different to be walking around the canals and housing these guys. You're on vacation and being at a bar. With a bunch of rowdy college, you know what I mean? It makes a big difference, and the alcohol like levels the same, but for some reason, there's you get a little bit more mellow. And I get the feeling that it's a matter of, um, I don't, I don't actually know, but for me, it just seems like setting changes so much when you're when you're drinking. I don't know. That's just something that came to mind right this second, and I'm gonna put it out there as if it were a question. That was planned. <laughs> I'll tell you, Nick, I, I, I do agree with you because um, for the, I guess since May, um, the guys that I would typically go to our favorite bar with on every Monday night, 
since our bar, we, we won't go in, even though it had been open for a little while right. there before it got shut down again. We've been sitting in a parking lot of <laughs> an auto shop uh, every Monday night um, for the majority of the last seven months. And I can't tell you why, Besides, but that beer tastes better in that parking lot when I'm with my buddies, even though they're 20 feet away from me and it's freezing cold. No, yeah, that's interesting because I, I didn't know which way you were going to go on that, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I can't tell you why. I'm sitting <laughs> <in the parking laughs> well, no, I think even with like a beer, I was like, like I know yeah, why. I've yeah. lost three toes and I can't figure it out. <laughs> well, even with a beer like Coors Light, that first sip of Coors Light at a bar after a long day at work is the best sip of beer you can get. Yeah, it's cold, goes cold all the way down, and it warms the belly. Yeah, and it it is interesting. I just find to think about like. What's nostalgic? What's because you just mentioning being in uh, an auto repair parking lot like we literally my one buddy worked at a Wawa, which was across the street from an auto repair shop. That was a, a gas station, actually. And we used to go and we had all the tires set up so you could thread the needle with a football. I mean, we'd sit in that garage and then after hours, we would just walk to the Wawa and our buddy would make us a sandwich or one of his co-workers would make us and we walk back i mean that was so much time on the winter breaks actually from college that was where we would go because that's where they were working on the winter break and um just mentioning that was it, it i i shit you not like literally brought me there i like can smell the oil in my fucking face right now because because of that and um because i remember being like thinking to myself it like doesn't get better like it doesn't get better than this like you, you really can't yeah. like how could it be better to just be sitting around with the people who know you better yeah. than your family having some beers i mean a lot of times we were eating mushrooms though so that makes sense there's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a lot of that happening like uh these walls are breathing and <laughs> but but yeah no i definitely i definitely feel that it's um it's interesting the settings. Yeah, and um, let's talk about Belgian Christmas ales because you're talking about setting. Is there just something about Belgian Christmas ales that just make it seem way more Christmassy? I think it's the stained glass label, honestly. Yeah. I think it might be because it's a beer brewed around Christmas time. <laughs> now, yeah, <let's>... wise ass. <laughs> but, but in a way that, like, the Mad Elf doesn't. It, the Mad Elf doesn't give me mm. a f- it doesn't transport me except that's true to the but bathroom. That, I, back to an earlier point, which I have no idea where it, who said it at this point, but um, that there's a lot of like Catholic iconography here. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and mm-hmm. for me, like that smell of incense. I mean, even mm-hmm. though that that has such a terrible sort of, I have like a visceral reaction to it now. I just passed out every time. So much. Not really so much that it's just like what's attached to it for me now, but there is something like I we used to go to midnight mass, like being there and the the general atmosphere like I do like the medieval iconography general environment of it for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it it, 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 you know what it is? It's the silence of it. It, it, It feels peaceful. Um, for some reason and um, it's the labels like this that aren't like ah, I'm a wacky elf ah, get fucked up <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely like 
you know, I don't expect the um the virgin or the child to like pull their dick out. Whereas then the fucking any man second. Off, I'm like, he's probably gonna yeah. do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's at any moment the keg label is probably just him with a gigantic just a green you know, schlong slapping it around. Yeah. But to that end, I used to have a friend who would get a um a half keg of Mad Elf and have an ugly Christmas sweater party every year and do roast beef. And I mean he mm. lived I used to come down from Langhorn to Maniunk. He's been here for like twenty years almost. And I would come to his house and we would have this all and he I, we'd have a foosball. He was a foosball master. We'd have a foosball championship and you know, obviously no spinning, which I was out immediately. But um it was it Can't was a, it was a blast because he oh this ties it back yes tradition he would leave his Christmas tree from the previous year in his yard until it decayed to just that really just very dangerous just <laughs> matchstick of a tree fire and hazard then, and then he would take a single match and light it as the culmination of the ugly Christmas sweater party the following year that's brilliant that's great I love that. yeah. Yeah, I totally we forgot had, about we, that until now. I we wore ugly Christmas years. sweaters. Uh, we wore ugly, ugly Christmas sweaters last night at the parking lot. <laughs> nice. We wore them yesterday for like a school competition. Um, nice. My wow, sister guys. made me one. Nobody wears ugly sweaters. That's so cool. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. You guys, I mean, gonna be nice. that's tradition, I guess. To do the same thing. Well, and next time you see a bunch of drunken assholes sitting in a parking lot wearing ugly sweaters, tell me the last time you saw something like that. It was yesterday. Every Monday on uh. your Instagram. When I drove by to break into your home. I got to ask Liz how you did this because the dog has been crying in the middle of the night um, recently, and I'm like, was it Nick? That's funny because Ellie's been crying in the middle of the night as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no you and that's oh. the end of the show folks merry christmas yeah holy shit <laughs> nicely done um i don't know man i uh i love this tradition this is i look forward i look forward to this and uh i think that 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 really is if we've touched upon anything that idea of um the universality of tradition is is something that I, I I don't know that I could even think of a group or a person or anything that doesn't in some way have that and respect it because there's a there is a respect to that like you do this thing over and over again because you feel this way and I respect that and that's why I picked the course and donk because it's been brewed since the 1300s and it represents a very very deep tradition at least in the uh, western part of the world. I was going to ask you, do they do the open pools with the yeast for this guy or no? You know, I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about the brewing process. Because that's cool. That's a tradition, man. Yeah. Just like open pool, <laughs> free for all yeast. Just fly in here, baby. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. whatever's in the air. <laughs> and now it's like tourists, you know. It's Ferment not, me, baby. This tastes that's crazy. Like, this tastes like, um, like Daytona. Yeah, why is this? <laughs> is, this is that Agua de Geo? Yeah. Is that Dracar Noir? <laughs> to wrap up this segment, um, Ooh, up this segment. You're bringing me back to my South Philly uh, adolescence <laughs> there, Nick. Back to my Bucks County adolescence. I think that was pretty universal. That was a Pennsylvania Yikes. to New York mainstay, my man. 
when I saw it for the first time in a in a locked cabinet in CVS, I knew that, that I had done wrong. <laughs> I still have, all have such a big one in my closet. It's enormous. I love. And I'll I love, bust it out on certain days, and Joe will be like, "What the fuck was that? <laughs> who's, who's a weird citrus <laughs> fucking?" Why am I in a club in 2000? <laughs> Did I transport to Egypt? On what? people still. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Is, it, is, it, is it called Delaware Ave again? What happened? <laughs> is, this a, is this a lie? To get um, final question. What is your favorite Christmas beer? I might have asked this before, but hey, no one listens mm. to these twice in a row. <laughs> Oh, good question. Good question. Favorite Christmas beer? I think you have, and I think Gregorio answered the the beer that he's drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sly Fox's Christmas beer, it brings, like, my, that was the first time my dad gave me uh, a beer from a bar. It was, it's a sad story, but the first beer I had in a bar before I was 21 was Sly Fox Christmas um, at Brittingham's on Germantown Pike. Um, and I think about that every time. So, Cool. Um, I think mine would be... Um, I've always... Every year I have to have one Harpoon Winter Warmer just because that was one of the first Christmas beers that I had that truly is like, man, this tastes like Christmas in a glass. And that's how I would sell it to people. And people would be like, holy shit, this is like Christmas in a glass. It had everything yeah. you would want. And it wasn't... Uh, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was overpowered. It was very mellow. Um, I don't think that's my favorite, but it's definitely the one that I will um, I'll hang my hat on for this segment. You should try it, at least, at least just for one. Yeah, will do. Mine, mine has been, I think, since bef- just before we started the cast, I started um, – getting the celebration every year i think i'm i'm drawn to it because it they date it and it is just the label is very very wintry i love it um but the one that i connected with christmas before that was uh and i think i mentioned this before was the michelob winters bourbon castale and that was like this really delicious bourbony vanilla kind of thing that they don't make anymore but i found a um a um way to brew it like they found the recipe for it and uh i'm going to take the blackberries that i harvested this year my uh grandmother loved porters she didn't drink that much um for numerous reasons but she grew up in the sticks of uh like near hazelton pennsylvania and they would pick these wild blackberries and uh, i brought her some of ours one time she was like this is exactly what these were like and so I want to brew a porter using the winter bourbon cast sort of like clone recipe and the, and the blackberries and see how it turns out. So a blackberry porter is what I'm going to try and do uh, for her because she passed away at the start of the pandemic. So I want to do like a thing and give it to all the, the her sons, you know, my uncles and stuff like that. Sounds nice. Nice. Um. Yeah, for me, I um, I guess this season in particular, but but I think in general, um, I have some really great memories of building a fire and uh, enjoying this with 
with with Jen around um, 21st Amendment fireside Ooh, chat. Ooh, nice. Really like good. that. I like that beer right. a lot. Uh, That's a heavy one. Yeah. You can't drink more than uh, that. That turned on me. Why do you, Why do you like that? It's a good beer. I just um, have had some bad experiences with it. Uh, I don't know. I just I I really just um have like a a real like taste memory yeah. around it and being in a, in a good place around a fire and um it just uh speaks. yeah it's got a good name labels good yeah yeah, yeah. labels great yeah. it's fun it's not like Mad Elf you don't think about like Elf Day <laughs> um. I mean, maybe if you think about FDR, you yeah. think about Elf Day, but um, like a I don't. Sausage that's been left <laughs> out and turned. Oh Ugh. God! I'm gonna uh, introduce a rating system. We ready for that? I right, go for it, man. Okay, I'm ready. ready for it. All right, all right. Um, I give uh, Gogol's The Night Before Christmas. Um, I think I need to spend more time with it, but at you know first read, I'm going to give it eight out of twelve. Cossacks are groping. <laughs> I'm going to give Phoebe Bridgers, if we make it through December, 12 out of 12 Cossacks are groping. <laughs> and of course, in Don Christmas Sale, it's, it's got to get 12 out of 12 Cossacks are groping. 12 out of 12 Cossacks. I'm not sure whether this like helps or hurts us with Russian troll. Like, oh, I, I'm man. not sure whether That's... you've just made like Putin's naughty list. <laughs> Or a nice list. It. I no really can't tell. Which is weird. I think he's probably into it because he probably hates. He probably hates the Cossack. So That's you know, true. like as a, as a people who want like rights. So. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, the Cossacks are are well because all we think about with the Cossacks is like Ivan from Most Dangerous Game and shit, right? Yeah, and, fuck yeah, Ivan. Yeah, right. This is just this total beard with like two beady eyes sticking out of it. But yeah, oh man. So okay, uh, I'll go next. I'll go next. Um, I give the night before Christmas um, ten out of twelve. Cossacks are groping uh, because they're yeah. I mean, I just I just really do. I really like Gogol, and I think that those lines that hit and that ability to make you laugh, the absurdity. And just the honesty is 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 enough for me. Um, Phoebe Bridgers album, I think I also give a ten out of twelve. Cossacks are groping for originality, for courage, um, because I mean, especially in twenty twenty, like she's she's a known artist, and for her to put the newscast on there is pretty. This has been her year. I just ballsy, you know. What I mean, like that's talk about some sacks there. That's a big one, and. Um, I would say, honestly, the Corson Donk, I, I, I'm going to give it a 12 out of 12. It really is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with this beer. It really isn't anything. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with it. I mean, the, the, the toast is perfect. The, the consistency is perfect. The balance is perfect. Like, the, everything about it is, is, is really fucking perfect. I, I hesitate to ask what the foodery is, you know, the charge oh, I was this? about to say, yeah, I was about to say schlep. Like, what's the word that starts with S? Uh, selling? Jesus. Selling them it wasn't, it's not selling. It was some ridiculous. <laughs> not a lot. They're like five, six bucks. 
just reason it's like it's about what you know belgian is so yeah 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 good stuff you can just you it's can just way less than you'd pay at a bar of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I did it. <laughs> yeah you'd pay you'd pay eight at a bar yeah so let's go to eulogy and we'll pay 15 dollars. yeah for real nick um i'm gonna have to give um Eight out of twelve Cossacks are groping to, to Google, um, only because um, I mean my enjoyment level is undeniable. I mean I, I really do like this type of story just because of the master, and um, I'm really looking forward to digging into this book. Yeah, same. Uh, thank you very much. Um, um, but again, I, there's a disconnect with me and Russian lit, so I have to I have to be real with that. Um, I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm going to give Phoebe, Phoebe Bridgers uh, a 5 out of 12 Cossacks of Gropen. If, if, uh, if Daniel could reach through this. <laughs> well, I, I just, I mean, I have to go on just what I said earlier. I, I really didn't need it. Um, Timing and is maybe, everything. Yeah, and maybe next year <laughs> I can look back and say, Probably not, um, but <laughs> there it is. There's the hand, um, and I'm gonna give Sly Fox's Christmas Ale a 12 out of 12. Cossacks are groping because it's perfect. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna go with with the the group and say I'm gonna give um, Gogol an eight out of 12, but. With the, with the option to grow because, the option to grow. I a native, <laughs> option to grow. Uh, where where I someone who could read this in in its original language, I feel like I would probably go higher. Um, it's valid. A worthy note. It's hard. For um and, Phoebe Bridges. Uh, I think she's incredibly talented. And regardless of like, you know where I've where I've been. In receiving that talent, um, I think that the ten out of twelve. Um, and uh, in terms of the beer, uh, why mess with perfection? Let's yeah. go twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, nice, let's lovely Oksana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Bayou. Uh, excellent. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers, indeed. Cheers, Lovely guys. to see you. Happy holidays. Happy couple days before um the holiday and 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 no matter what i'm 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 just incredibly pleased to have spent this time with you and you guys to give me that time to hang out as well so uh i love you and i appreciate you and uh i you know can't wait to see you in the new one yeah yeah here here brother yeah i I just want to i just want to say guys given everything that's been going on in my life like it's been a great night do something different very glad. Yeah, we're so happy that yeah, you yeah. made it out, man, and and totally would understand if not. But really glad to see you. So, we'll, yeah, so it's great yeah, to see yeah, you, Frank. We'll see my you, day, man. We'll see you tomorrow for the next one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our Christmas special uh, that we have once a year. Thank you to Franco, who is always a treat um, and a big sweetheart. Um, please. Make sure to follow us on social media at facebook.com slash 
Book Record Beer Podcast on Twitter at Book Record Beer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. We are wherever you listen to podcasts, so make sure you tell your friends because you're already listening to this. So um, also, stay away from people this Christmas, folks, and get that fucking vaccine. Everybody, have a great time. We'll see you. We'll see you. Bye, all.